Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, how should scooters, ride-hailing apps, and car-sharing services be considered in the conversation about alternative transportation? Can we think of them as a public good when they are for-profit entities? Columbus Underground reporter Brent Warren discusses the options for last mile transit that exist in Columbus, how they came to be, and the motivations and incentives for the companies that get us from point A to point B. You can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Also, the Confluence Cast is on Patreon. Find out how to support this podcast on our website, theconfluencecast.com, or at patreon.com slash confluence. The Confluence Cast is sponsored this week by the Central Ohio Transit Authority, or CODA. It's time to shake up your commute and roll with CODA. Getting started is easy. Just go to your app store and search for Transit, download the Transit app, and set up your CODA account. With the Transit app, you can plan, track and pay for your coda rides you can download transit today enjoy the episode sitting down here virtually with columbus underground reporter brent warren brent how are you sir i'm good how are you i'm doing well thank you uh we are talking today about alternative transportation in columbus we're going to get a little bit into the numbers and how things work. Specifically, we're talking about scooters. We're talking about single-use rental cars. Is that how you would refer to that? Yeah, free-floating car rental <laughs> companies. Yes, yes. <laughs> bicycle rentals, right. uh, that sort of thing. So, Brent, first of all, this is your specialty, this in development at Columbus Underground. Can you talk through a little bit about what we have available here in Columbus, and when did it come to be? Sure. Well, right now we have lots of scooters. I think most people mm-hmm. who live in a central city neighborhood in Columbus, they, they see them around. You know, they're, <laughs> they're everywhere. And those came, scooters first came in the summer of 2018. Um, Bird was the first company to arrive, and they... They just sort of came and you you saw this in a lot of cities all over the country. They dropped off like hundreds of scooters onto our streets and they hadn't really checked in with the city of Columbus <laughs> before right. they did that. Um, uh, you know, we can talk more about that. I do want to interject there that it's funny because I someone at the city at the time referred to it as, yeah, they just came and did it, and then they went on an apology tour uh, (laughs) to let everybody know, yes, we're here, and what do you need from us in order to stay here? Right, and that's what they did. And I mean, I think the timeline is um, they came that summer, and then by the fall, the city had sort of crafted some rules and regulations, and Mm -hmm. they passed legislation, and they came up with kind of a a permitting um, system. So now... Uh, There's like four different scooter companies operating in Columbus and they all have to report to the city. They have to give them the numbers, how many people are riding them, 
they have to make sure that there's offering the scooters not just in the short north and downtown they have to be in mm -hmm. like parts of linden and the near east side and franklinton as well um and the city has a you know they have people who track that stuff now um hmm. right so that was 2018 that they started and then the regulations came soon after that it seemed like big thing when it happened because and at least in the transportation world we're not used to like big things like that just happening usually <laughs> there's lots of planning <laughs> and right. like discussion and meetings about things but they just kind of did it you know yeah and they like you said they kind of did an apology to her i mean i remember in those early days i had sent an email i don't remember which scooter company it was um but just looking for you know some information to one of their press people and they mm -hmm. got back and their the first line was we are looking forward to working with the city of Phoenix on this, you know, which <laughs> which just shows like they were doing this all over the country at the same time. The scale right. of it is just crazy. And, you know, my understanding is that and I, I think, you know, some of, you know, a little bit more about this world, too, is this was like venture funding capital mm -hmm. that was making it possible. I, I, I understand. <laughs> well, and, you know move fast and break things right. is a very common phrase. I would encourage anybody who's interested. There's a new show on Showtime about Uber when they first started wow. getting extra venture capital and how basically it empowered them to break the law uh, that they can now afford to break the law. So let's the regulations that came along pretty quickly there was uh, rules about where you could ride right yeah where you could ride uh one of them was that you were not supposed to ride on the sidewalks which of course we still see lots of people riding on the sidewalks but officially yeah. that's not permitted um and like you yeah, know like i mentioned the 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 city wanted to make sure that all different neighborhoods were getting a chance to use these things if they wanted to which mm -hmm. the companies if they, if you don't have that kind of requirement they're gonna go like basically right around where the college students are or where this yeah of, you know short north downtown and that would be it but um and actually they did i wrote a story in the spring of 2019 um people in franklinton started noticing that all of a sudden they weren't allowed to ride bird scooters or to rent them in in their neighborhood when mm. they had been before and then it turns out that bird had shrunk their home area so that you their footprint basically the footprint yeah so and including like people in linden or the near east side all of a sudden could no longer get scooters there either so mm. i started hearing about this and i reached out to the city and to bird and you know a few days later everything went back <laughs> to what to the way it was but you know basically the the scooter companies are my impression is they're going to get away with what they can and I don't know yeah. if they actually are, like, are testing every once in a while. Like, let's see if we do this, if anybody notices. <laughs> well, and that's a big part of this space, too, right. is, you know, you, you move a button or you make a button have rounded corners to see if you can get folks to behave in a different way that's more aligned with your profit model. And right. I think a big part of this, a big part of this discussion is the acknowledgement that transportation at its core is a public good. Right. And that's why our tax dollars pay for things like CODA. And we 
are dependent on and there there's there's trade-offs here right it's both good and bad we are dependent on for-profit entities providing our what we sometimes refer to as last mile transportation whether that's a scooter from a bus stop to your to your doorstep or a bicycle along the Scioto mile like these are companies that some are receiving incentives from the city but at their core they are for-profit entities right and you know obviously in columbus we saw the main sort of one of the big issues with that relationship with car to go because mm -hmm. you know they if people aren't familiar with car to go they were here they had the little two-seater cars blue and yeah. white cars and they were in columbus from i was actually surprised how long it was it was from late 2013 to may of 2018. Okay. So pretty good chunk of time. And I, you know, I talked to not an insignificant number of people who said car to go is nice because it allows us like me as a family to only have one car mm -hmm. because it just has, it's a sort of a nice safety valve. If I need a car for some reason, like once a week or once every couple of weeks, it's there for me. So right. I don't have to buy a whole nother car. <laughs> I can just have kind of a, and car to go is like that basically the same model as scooters you know where it's free floating you just find them on an app and you go get them it's a one-way trip so you just mm -hmm. pay for when you're when you're using it and then you park it um the city has a they work out a deal with the city where they can park it on you know public parking spaces right um, so that's something that worked for a lot of people and then all of a sudden it was gone the city couldn't do anything about it cardigo said that when they left they said oh the numbers just aren't there in columbus but then Cardigo itself completely folded up within, you know, a couple months after that. So they're not even operating in North America anymore. Um, surprise, surprise. Right, right. So that's that's an example of what you're talking about. Like people come to rely on this service and it's sort of this thing that fits, uh, helps to live in a place like Columbus where there's not great transit. Mm hmm. But then it just disappears overnight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's for to an extent, it's an adoption issue. I think car to go is an issue of it's a capital intensive right. type business model where you're buying cars that people are using and sometimes yeah. they get into accidents. <laughs> right. And I rode in them. They were fine. Yeah. Like they got me from point A to point B. Also, there's there was a subscription model. I thought they did a really good job of looking for different avenues for people to use it, where you as an individual could do it. They reached out to companies and said, mm -hmm. would you like to provide this offering to your employees? Um, but they just, you know, they couldn't make it work all the way. Right. And, you know, the update then is we have a new company now on the streets. It's called uh, Free to Move. Okay. Have, you seen, have you seen them around town yet? I don't think so. I've seen a few of, I mean, I've been looking for them, but I have seen <laughs> a few of them. Um, they are not little mini cars. They're full, so they're like small SUVs. I think okay. they're Jeep Renegades, maybe one of the, the smaller Jeep models. Um, okay. And it's exactly like Cardigo in terms of the model. You know, they're spread around the city. They have a deal worked out with the city where they pay the city something in exchange for use of uh, either metered spaces or just like on on street free hmm. parking spaces. Um, so you just park it wherever you can find a public spot. And it's just like the same as the car to go model. The cars are, are bigger. You can actually fit four people into them and you can 
um, fit stuff in the back too. So that that's the main difference. But there, it's another. I think it's a maybe a European company. Okay. Um, but it's another company trying to get into this market and do the same kind of thing that Car2Go did. I mean, it's a shared transport yep. model. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then you have done basically freedom of information requests uh, with the city because we require now these companies like scooter companies and Kogo, the bicycles to report like what what does usage look like? Uh, I assume there's some that's maybe how they're taxed. Uh, but what what are those numbers telling you? Um, the numbers are pretty big. I mean, I started looking into that. Well, I think since the beginning, I, I tracked mm -hmm. it for that first, you know, six months in 2018 and then 2019. And then 2020 was a very weird year, obviously, for lots of reasons. But yeah, scooter, <laughs> like, scooter companies, a lot of them just shut down completely at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, okay. Which is another, you know, another thing you could point to, like, Coda didn't shut down <laughs> completely. Right. Uh, and actually, the Kogo bikes, which is um, Kogo, you know, that's the ride share, uh, the bike share system that has the docks, the little stations all over town. And mm -hmm. that one is sort of a partnership. There's a private company that runs it but the city actually owns the bikes and the equipment and everything so that's a little okay. bit of a half and half but kogo kept going directly throughout the whole pandemic um but anyway sorry you ask about the numbers <laughs> just the usage yeah yes the usage um like so last year i i just did an article on this where i tallied up all the scooter rides for 2021 and there was almost a million rides taken in columbus Okay, um, and that's more than there were in 2019, um, similar to the levels we saw. I think a little less than what we saw in the very beginning, that the the first, you know, second half of 2018. But I mean, just to give you a sense of what that means, that's like maybe around 2,000 trips a day, 2,600 trips on average every day. <laughs> oh wow! Taken in Columbus. So I mean, obviously, it's it's weather to very much so. Yeah. so in the summer it's going to be way more than that in terms of how many trips people are taking a day by a scooter in columbus but it's it's i think most people might be surprised at how big of a number that is <laughs> absolutely yeah. and it, i mean i ride it from time to time i will say i honestly ride it more when i'm in another city you know if i don't want to rent a car uh, it's just the easiest way to get from, you know, one side of a neighborhood to the other one. But here, the virtue is the time at places like the New Crew Stadium or at Huntington Park where, you know, you don't want to you're not going to hop in a cab. You want to get some somewhere quickly. And this is my totally just old man complaining. <laughs> Please just have one person at a time on your scooter and please don't ride them on brick streets uh you will fall something yeah, will happen yeah, yeah. to you well you know i live in the university district so i see anything you can imagine <laughs> with those scooters uh you know they push them to the limit limits especially college students <laughs> oh absolutely so, yeah absolutely so what's interesting to me here is that there is some sliding scale of partnership with the city, right? Where the scooters, 
there's not they don't need to dedicate any infrastructure they don't need to worry about where they're going to park they just need to make sure that they're first of all making sure they get paid uh for the money generated in the city and also that people are safe uh so they put together legislation around that and that's that model Whereas with Car2Go, yes, there's a parking space issue, but also when Car2Go came, that was a real partnership in that the city offered dedicated parking spaces just for those cars. I don't know if that's going to continue with the new rideshare, but that's a whole nother thing. You mean with Car2Go, there was actually spots that were only for the Car2Go? Correct. Okay. Correct. Uh, forgotten they that. were okay. few and far between, yeah. but they almost felt like staging areas for the beginning of the day uh, oh, okay. for, for those cars. Uh, additionally, we would be remiss if we weren't talking about the fact that we have Uber and Lyft here. That's another uh, alternative transportation method. I think that that gets covered. If you want to know about it, watch the Showtime series. Right. Uh, again, it's well, great. It is, it is crazy to think of how, how new uber and lyft were at one point <laughs> yeah and now it's just sort of like nobody gives it a second thought it's just what has it's, always been it almost feels like you know it is totally ubiquitous and yeah. like the fact that i was thinking the other day about this job i had five years ago how i used to get uh food delivery from the same place every day and I was like, why did I do that? And I was like, oh, DoorDash didn't exist. Right. And like Uber Eats didn't exist. Right. It just wasn't a thing. And it's, you know, you you understand and I understand that like I try to explain things to my daughter of this is the way things used to be. Like I tried to explain to her what a videotape was, the or excuse me, what Blockbuster Video was. Oh. <laughs> and even the DVD portion of it, she was like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you go somewhere to get a movie to watch? Yep. Right. Um, <laughs> so back to the, the conversation about the partnership. With the bikes, there is sort of this, the city is a little bit more involved, right? Like I yes. think you said that they own the bikes, but that, provided by and maintained by this private company. Right. And that, and the city sort of is involved with deciding where the stations go and, you know, all that, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, one would think, are being equitable about that placement and mm -hmm. looking at uh, where it can benefit the most people. Um, what are the, are there other uh, companies or, or methods coming, coming around? Um, well, there is, I wrote, um, let's see, this was last year, I believe. I wrote about um, a local company that is trying to get their own bike share system off the ground. Mm -hmm. And they want to do it in Columbus. I think they're also looking in some other cities. Uh, they mentioned Cleveland when I talked to them. Um, their name is Trip. I think Trip Bikes or just Trip. Um, okay. But they, they have a cool kind of model. And I'll be curious, when I talked to them last year, they said 2022 was their target for launching. So sometime this spring, I haven't talked to them recently to find out if they're still on that schedule or not. But mm -hmm. when I talked to them then, they were optimistic about it. And they have, um, it's all e-bikes, which Kogo also has some e-bikes now. Actually, a lot of their bikes are, anytime you see a Kogo bike with the pink, wheel that's okay. an e-bike so it makes it easier to ride basically got um, it e and for those that haven't ridden it it you do still have to pedal it just kind of the battery kind of helps you 
It's a yeah, pedal assist they call it. Yeah. And yeah. I think they're pretty fun. When I first rode an e-bike, I was like, "Oh, I get it. I understand <laughs> why people like these, especially if you do a lot of urban riding where you're stopping and starting a lot. It mm -hmm. really makes a difference to have that little assist from an e-bike." Um, gotcha. But the local company, they have a, kind of a different design of a bike. Um they have really thick wheels. They're super comfy. I I got to ride on one. Um they have they actually have a little bit of a throttle so you can actually get a little a little jolt of speed without pedaling okay <laughs> on them so they're a little more like a like what you would think of as like a motorbike or something but yeah but they still look basically like a bike but they're, they're just trying to rethink the model a little bit and i think it'll be interesting to see if they can make a go of it because this is a space where it's been all of these national silicon valley based companies Mm -hmm. And here's this Columbus-based company saying, oh, I think we think we can do something a little bit differently and we can roll it out here first and we'll see if it works. So I'm curious yeah. to see how that how that goes for them. Well, and from a uh, just to talk about the business model and sort of ownership, those come at least best I know. A lot of the scooter companies were small startups and then mm -hmm. ended up being acquired by folks like Uber and Lyft and transportation companies that kn basically knew the space. Yeah. That's and, right. you know, that's frankly kind of the name of the, the game in startups is like you either go public or you get bought mm -hmm. and the, you know, you kind of have to be an omnibus type company in order to go public. Mm -hmm. So it's all having that exit as it's called is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, and then we have Lime bikes too, correct? Yeah, Lime has had bike. Actually, I, Lime bikes first came to Columbus right before the scooters did. So they've, they've okay. been here for a while. Um, they also, I think they started out. They were like in Dublin and a couple other places, but I don't, I don't think they're still in Dublin. But yeah, Lime bikes. They have the e-bikes also, and it's a free-floating service. So it's just like the scooters. There's no mm -hmm. station or anything. Uh, costs a little more to ride a bike than it does a scooter, but. Um, yeah, that's the same thing. You find them on an app and you, and you go get them. Got it. It'll be, in, I mean, I don't think we're in a transitional phase anymore here. I think that this is sort of, you know, how it's going to be. And I'm always looking for innovation, but I don't see anything else coming down the pike really in this way, uh, for providing that last mile of service. But it's, I mean, it's fantastic that we have it yeah. in addition to a, as we talked about, uh, with Josh Lapp a couple of weeks ago, uh, an ever-evolving uh, transit system that is fully a public good. So. Sure, yeah. No, um, and actually, I think that brings up a good point because one of my big things that I've been sort of keep trying to keep an eye on with scooters is because when they first started, when they first sort of descended on <laughs> all of our cities, I heard some people say like, oh, maybe this could be a good thing if you have all these scooter riders, maybe that creates a larger group of people who will advocate for things like protected bike lanes, mm -hmm. better trail systems, um, because scooters, I mean, they're different than bikes, but they, they are similar in that you would rather not have them on the sidewalk. Where well, it's illegal getting... to have yeah. any of them on the sidewalk. <laughs> and if, for safety, you'd rather have them separated from cars, you know? That's a good point. So, like, this this idea of you have a kind of constituency for 
protected narrow lanes that can hold scooters or bikes or whatever else, what other ever kind of thing that they come up with next. Um, mm -hmm. It seems to me like that's something that could be promising. Although in Columbus, we haven't really seen a lot of progress on that front <laughs> lately, but maybe it's still to come. Who, kn who knows? Yeah. And I mean, it's uh, we will see. And I don't I would like to try and blame our, our climate that we have cold wet winters mm -hmm. for this not working out. But I mean, it's like two weeks a year that it's like yeah. truly not OK to and ride a bike. Also, I got to say, when you start looking at like what other cities are doing, like Minneapolis is one of the great bike cities <laughs> in mm -hmm. our country and they've done it. They have much worse winters <laughs> than we do. They have right. a great network, you know, protected lanes, off street trails. And then I just wrote an article um, last week about I was talking about the downtown plan that's coming up in Columbus mm -hmm. and looking at something that they did in Calgary in mm. 2015, which was they started to they just sort of implemented a protected bike lane network in their downtown yes. uh, on a temporary basis. They just did it right away and then they sort of tweaked it as it went along. Um, but that's something, you know, Calgary obviously is a lot colder than Columbus and mm -hmm. they've had some success in building out these kind of networks for bikes also. So, well, and what they do, so I spend uh, a little time in Calgary every year oh. for work. And what's interesting is at given times of day, if it's basically if it's not rush hour, they just shut down the all the side streets for. Oh pedestrians and for bicycles so oh, that in, it's safe. in the downtown area yes and oh so i the, didn't know that the, yeah the the throughways are open and you can get anywhere that you want to mm -hmm. but streets like gay street downtown it just would it would just be closed hmm. like there's just no in their mind there's no need for this to be there and they made extra room by getting rid of the parking because they don't want people parking downtown and if they want right. to park downtown mm -hmm. they should pay for it Right. So, yeah, lots of interesting models there uh, in terms of a, a planning perspective. Mm -hmm. So we I, you know, transition is happening and hopefully we get there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so cool. Brent, I wanted to give you the opportunity, even though you're a reporter end every episode by asking, what do you think Columbus is doing really well? And this can be in the context of our conversation or not. Uh, what do you think Columbus is doing really well? And then following that up with what do you think Columbus is not doing so well? Mm -hmm. Well, I always say like when it comes to uh, bike infrastructure in Columbus, like mm -hmm. the city of Columbus has done a, actually a great job over the last like, I don't know, 10 or 20 years of building out the the sort of river trail system, the mm. Central Ohio Greenways. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's some some people who just have been slowly plugging away, filling in the gaps, <laughs> making it a really pretty amazing system. Now there's still gaps to it, but they've they've just sort of quietly been making progress on that front to the point where mm -hmm. you can you can hop on a bike and go out to you know a Big Darby Metro Park and be on a trail the whole time. I mean there's some pretty cool yeah. rides that you can do. So I always give credit <laughs> to Columbus for that. Now when you look on the on-street side, that's where I think we've just fallen behind our, any sort of peer city that you can look at. We just haven't made any progress on that. I mean, there was momentum under Coleman, but 
that's been a long time <laughs> since mm -hmm. Coleman was mayor and not much has happened since then in terms of, you know, specifically what everybody seems to agree is that you need protected bike lanes and you need a network. You need it to connect up to things. And mm -hmm. we haven't made a lot of progress on that. There's some hope maybe the downtown plan uh, represents an opportunity to to do something about that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I'm looking forward to finding out. Yeah. Great. Brent, thank you so much for your time. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite commuter. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Philip Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. Thank you.